Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Praise the Lord. Well, let's open our Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm beginning a brand new message. I didn't know what I was going to preach on it. Sunday night, Monday morning about 1 a.m., God spoke to me and said, preach on the God of the breakthrough. How many of you believe that we got a God who is a God of breakthrough? Amen. Breaking through whatever you need broke through on. Some of you need some breakthrough, so I believe you're going to get it. Amen. So we're going to start in 2 Samuel chapter 5. But before I start, let's talk about the setting a little bit. Right now, David has been king of Judah for seven years. And then in this instance, he's just been anointed king of all of Israel. So David's life was about 40 or 70 years. The first 30 years, you know, he'd just grown up learning. And then when he was 30 years old, just like Jesus was 30 years old when he went into ministry, just like Joseph was 30 years old when he became prime minister of Egypt, David was 30 years old. He became king of Judah, but he had been reigning over Judah for seven years. And then God made him king of all Israel. Now, right after God made him king of all of Israel, which he, he reigned over Judah for seven years and then all of Israel for another, Judah and Israel, for 33 years. So he reigned for 40 years total. But right after he became king of all Israel, the, the Philistines came against him. And he had, he had a challenge, you know. In fact, my very first point is this, another level, another devil. <laughs> and sometimes we wonder. In fact, you know, it just seems like there's a battle here and a battle there and a battle somewhere else. And Man, sometimes you just get tired of these battles. and You're just like, what have we done wrong? And some, sometimes it's not what you've done wrong. Sometimes it's what you've done right. And it's the devil that's trying to stop you before you do too much damage to his kingdom. Praise God. And so we need to realize that. But so the Philistines came against him, and, and we'll read about it. But David prayed. He asked God, what do I do? Do I go up against God said, yeah, go up against them. You'll defeat them. So he did, and, and he defeated them. And then, you know, they ran off, and David and his men took their idols and burned them. And then they came again. Do you know if the devil will come again? They came again. The devil is persistent. Jesus, you know, I mean, he was 30 years old. He enters the ministry. He's baptized by John on the River Jordan. The Holy Ghost comes on him. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The devil comes and tempts him for 40 days and 40 nights. He beats the devil every time. He beats him, right, with the word. Hallelujah. And he overcomes every time. But then it says the devil left him to come for a more opportune time. So they came again. So what did David do? He prayed again. He said, God, what do I do? Do I go up against him? He said, this time, I want you to do it different. I want you to come around from the backside. I want you to go by the mulberry trees. And when you hear the wind coming through the mulberry trees, <laughs> in John chapter 3, verse 8, said, Jesus talked about the wind. He said, the wind is like the spirit. He said, you, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going, but you know when it's there. <laughs> praise God you know when it's there and he said when you hear the wind when you hear the sound of, of the wind in the trees then go up against them for the Lord has gone out before you you know some people run ahead of God and if you run ahead of God you can get yourself in a big mess you can be doing the right thing at the wrong time and make a huge mess so you need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and and just because it worked last time doesn't mean that's the way you're supposed to do it this time. 
the Holy Spirit has very specific instructions, right, for the day you're in, for the time you're in, and you need to keep a relationship with the Lord Jesus and with the Holy Spirit so you can hear what the Spirit of God is speaking today. It's very important that we hear what the Spirit of God is speaking, what the Spirit of God is saying today. And so they went out against them again. They came around the different way and they defeated them again. Praise God. And David won battle after battle. In fact, one person said this, David killed so many giants that Solomon didn't have any to kill because David killed them all. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, he just, it just, he just had this life of just destroying giants. Amen? And sometimes there are giants that we're facing. Dr. Delron Shirley spoke at our men's fellowship yesterday, and at the end, he was talking about David and Goliath, and he, he put up a newspaper ad for where somebody was having a giant liquidation. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. David had a giant liquidation. <laughs> he said, I'm going to cut your head off and feed you to the birds, you ugly thing. Amen. You know what he was really doing? He was talking back to his enemy. You need to learn to trash talk the devil. When he comes and tells you, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to, you know, who are you, you little old wimp? And you say, you big, ugly Philistine, I'm going to cut your, your head off and feed you to the birds and all your brothers too. Amen. Hallelujah. So when the devil talks, you just speak back. Amen. Hallelujah. Talk back to your enemy. Hallelujah. But we're going to learn some things today about God, a breakthrough, because God wants us to break through. And I believe that we're on the verge. I believe that we're actually experiencing now breakthrough at Karis Christian Center. I was telling one of my friends, we've been here, we've been working hard for 21 years, and we've had a lot of victory. God has done a lot of amazing things for us in 21 years. It, you know, but at the same point in time, after 21 years, it seems like God is beginning to give us inroads in the community and different things are happening. It's just like, thank you, Jesus. We know that wasn't us. We didn't even try to open that door and you opened it for us and you went in there and you did that. Thank you, Lord. So we're beginning to get people in the community in a new way. And I believe that's going to continue and it's going to be more and more. So let's read in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 through verse 25. But when the Philistines heard they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard of it and went down to the hold. He went down to a stronghold or a fortress. The Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David Asked the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for doubtless I'll deliver them into your hand. And David came to Belperazim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord has broken forth upon my enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Belperazim. And there they left their images, the Philistines, and David and his men burned them. The Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. And David inquired of the Lord. He said, shall, you shall not go up, but fetch a, fetch a compass behind them and come up over, over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when you hear the sound of the going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you will bestir yourself, for then the Lord will go out before you to smite the army of the Philistines." David did so, and the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba till he came to Gazer, from the 
east from the west side of Israel to the east side of Israel. He just had a Philistine smiting party. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. He just, he just defeated them over and over and over again. And so what, what can we learn about breakthrough? When you read in verse 20, it says, David came to Belperazim, and David smoked them there. And he said, the Lord has broken forth on my enemies before me as the breach of waters. The modern English version says, the Lord has burst through my enemies like a bursting flood. Praise the Lord. I believe that there is a move of the Spirit that is coming that is so big that there is nothing the devil can do to stop it. It's like a tidal wave. You know when a tidal wave comes, there you can't stop. It, it's just get out of the way, baby, because it's coming. Praise God. And I believe that there is a move of the Spirit coming that is so big. There is nothing. That, it's just going to wipe out. The works of the, it's just going to destroy the works of the devil. You know, you can stop it, but the, <laughs> hallelujah, the devil can't stop what God's doing. Amen? Praise God. You know, Isaiah 59 verse 19 says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. And most people quote, quote that when the enemy comes in like a flood. But he said, the Lord has burst forth my enemies like a bursting flood. Like if you've ever seen a dam and if it begins to break and it just explodes. Just get out of the way. Hallelujah. So I, I, there's amazing things that are happening. There's amazing things that God's doing. And I'm glad to be part of it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So how can we begin to receive breakthrough in our life. Well, the first thing is you've got to realize, right? Just because you're having a challenge, just because you're having a difficulty doesn't mean that you're not, you're not doing the right thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Like I said, I, I went and talked to one of my friends. I said, listen, what is it? Are we doing something wrong? He said, no, you're doing something right. Expect more of this. <laughs> Yeah, because you're moving in the right direction. You're doing, and sometimes, you know what? You can't get where God wants you to go with the same folks around you. Some, and sometimes God has to separate some of the, some of the different things. And, and, and you, it's not pleasant sometimes when you're going through it, but he has to do that so he can take you forward into the next area. In fact, I prayed at the, at the end of last year. Asked, Aaron said, what do you see for 2022? And I, I said, well, I don't know. You hear God. You're prophetic. Why don't you go pray and ask God? <laughs> Aaron hears God good. Barbara hears God good. But that, that afternoon or evening, I went and I sat on the couch by Barbara and she had the fireplace running. And As I was sitting there, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he said, 2022 will be a year of great harvest. But he also said it will be a year of separation. So I'm like, okay, hallelujah. So we've seen some of that. Praise God. But part of the separation is God getting us ready for the harvest. <laughs> Joyce Meyer said this, and I think I already quoted this, but she said, another level, another devil. So immediately when the Philistines hear about David becoming king over all of Israel, this is what God ultimately called him for. This is what God anointed him for, what God appointed him for. And he finally steps into that position. And then the enemy wants to throw up a fight. And they said, listen, we're going to try to stop him right here and right now before he really gets going. 
So David asked the Lord, what do I do? He said, you go up against him. But the first thing is, you know, realize when you're facing battles, when you're facing challenges, sometimes it's because you're doing the right thing. You're going the right place. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just because there's a difficulty doesn't mean that God's not with you. Just because there's a problem doesn't mean that God's not with you. And, and as, we, as we begin to think about this, I, I, I begin to think about a number of scriptures that go along with this. One of them is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 to verse 36. We were just recently in it. It says this in Hebrews 10, verse 32. Call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. You know, you get the light on something. All of a sudden, you begin to believe God for healing. You find out that healing is a covenant right of believers. That the Bible says, by Jesus' stripes, you were already healed. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. You find out that healing is a covenant right. That just like God wants to forgive your sins, He wants to heal your body. Because Jesus paid for your forgiveness and your healing at the same time. At the same time that He was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities. Right? The chastisement of your peace was upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. Isaiah 53, 5 says, Isaiah's prophesying before 1 Peter looks back on it and says this is what happened. But see, before you understood that, you're not much of a threat to the devil, right? But you begin to understand that, and all of a sudden the devil seems to attack you in the area of physical things because you, you begin to get revelation, and he knows if you get revelation, you're going to do damage to his kingdom. So you begin to find out these covenant promises. You begin to get the light on certain things. And all of a sudden, it seems like there's a battle taking place in that area. She says, immediately after you were illuminated. It's like right after I got saved. I got saved when I was eight years old. And I, I was in Sunday school. It was in the Fringe Church in Penrose, Colorado. With these two older, I thought they were old at the time, sisters. That were my Sunday school teachers. They were in their 50s. I'm There. <laughs> And they were teaching us, but, you know, I was eight, and they were 50-something. That seemed old, but, but they kept teaching from the gospel. They kept teaching about Jesus, and you need Jesus. And I was a very ornery child, and it was evident that I needed Jesus. And so I told my mom, Mom, I need to go see the preacher. And she said, no, you don't. But after two weeks, I pestered her. I need to see the preacher. I need to see. She set up an appointment and, you know, took me down to see the preacher, and the preacher sat over here in the second row, on the right side, the second or third row of the church and brought this color book. And he said, you know what black is for? I said, no, he said, that's for sin. You know what white's for? No, that's for righteousness. You know what red is for? No, that's, that's for the blood of Jesus. Do you know what green is for? No, that's for eternal life. Do you know what gold is for? No, that's for heaven. And so you were a sinner, but God wants to take the blood of Jesus and make you righteous so that you can have eternal life and go to heaven. I, I still remember that to this day. But you know why I really got saved is because my Sunday school teachers taught the Word of God, day after day and week after week, you need Jesus. And it was evident that I needed Jesus, and I got born again. But right after I got born again, the devil said, God's not real. Now, I, never, I always believed in God before I got saved. But as soon as I got saved, he said, God, there's nothing to this God stuff. And then he said, you're not saved. <laughs> he never told me that before I got saved. But as soon as I got saved, he said, you're not saved, and God's not real. Well, I, you know, so I've known people that struggle with that question for 10 years. Man, I got saved. I, man, I, I got rid of him in one week. No, God's real and I'm saved. 
If God wasn't real, then why do you have to tell me that? And if I'm not saved, why do you need to tell me that? But immediately after you were illuminated, you endure a great fight of afflictions. And he says this, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of those who were so used. So partly it's people begin to look at you and they begin to watch you. I, I, I don't know about those healing people. I, I don't know about that healing message. Well, read the Bible. Just read the Bible. That's all I ask you to do. Just, just consider what the scriptures actually say. See, I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe he not only worked miracles when he walked on the earth, I believe that he's presently working miracles. Praise God, we've seen miracles. In fact, you know, Barbara and I have been in the full-time ministry for 33, going on 34 years, 34 years this year, and, and we, we've seen miracles on a regular basis ever since we started, even before I started. You know, full-time, I'd go out and preach, and I'd see miracles. They'd amaze me. I'd think, man, that must be the Lord. <laughs> You know, God is, this, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the Holy Spirit is here. And, and, and I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they still work. Hallelujah. And I believe in the promises of God. So it's working. So don't tell me it doesn't work. I've been practicing it too long, and seen too, I've seen too much. Glory to God. I've seen too much. You can't tell me it's not real. I know it's real. I see it on a regular basis. In fact, it's amazing. You know what we'll see if we if we think about it. Sometimes, you know, we, we shouldn't we should not forget what God does. Dr. Shirley writes devotionals and he mails them out. I don't read them all. I support his mission. He supports missions all around the world. He's traveled to over 60 countries. But he sends them out. And I, I was reading one though the other day, and he was talking about George Mueller. George Mueller was a man in the UK, and he had an orphanage where he fed kids. And, and he had literally hundreds and thousands of kids that he took care of. And he, he, he vowed in his heart that he would never ask a person, a human person, for anything. He would only ask God. And so he recorded, he had a prayer journal where he recorded his prayers. And he recorded over 55,000 answered prayers in his prayer journal. And it just, it just amazes me sometimes when we pray about things. Little things, big things, all kinds of things. When we just take them to the Lord in prayer, we look back in a little bit and we say, thank you, God, for answering that. You know, I recently had our grandchildren stand over and, you know, one of them while he was there got sick. And, you know, we had from more than one family, so we didn't want that to cause a problem. So we, you know what we did? We just prayed to God. Barbara and I just prayed, Lord, Thank you for keeping the others so they don't get sick. And you know what? They didn't get sick. Hallelujah. God answered our prayer. You know God answers prayers. He answers all kinds of prayers. Praise God. Have some folks that cut back in their, in their areas of support. I said, God, for anything they cut back, I'm asking you to double it. Because I have obeyed you. I've done what you told me to do. So I'm just asking you to double that. Amen. And we see things come and say, hey, Jesus is good to us. Thank you, Lord. You're answering our prayers. God, God answers prayer. Praise God. But you know, he, he says, for you had compassion on me. You, you, you believe God and then you face this challenge. 
in my bonds and you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. You kept giving, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Isn't heaven awesome? I don't think sometimes we preach enough about heaven. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. He said, if we don't have this hope in Christ, the hope of the resurrection, we are of all men most miserable. Praise God. Now, we've got good things, and we've got a Bible full of promises that we can believe for life right here, right now. But nothing where we are compares with, com compares with where we're going. I mean, heaven is amazing. Now, you can have your days as heaven on earth. That's a promise. You can believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 11. But he says, we know we have a hope. He says, do not cast away your confidence. Keep believing. He says, which has great repayment of reward. Keep believing God. So if the devil comes, tells you, hey, that's, that stuff doesn't work. That's not real. You know, you just need to keep believing the word. You need to keep believing the promise. Amen. Just like me, when I got saved, the devil said, that's not real. God's not real. <laughs> this proves it's real. I've always believed in God. <laughs> Believe it more now. Amen? Hallelujah. It has a great repayment. He says, for you need, have need of patience that after you do the will of God, you receive the promise. So keep believing God. Praise the Lord. You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in the world, you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now, in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. And he speaks primarily about two things. He speaks, number one, about the coming of the Holy Spirit and our need for the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to help you. And he talks about that in John 14, 15, and 16, how we need the Holy Spirit. Then he also talks about this. He talks about our power and the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. But at the very end of chapter 16, he says, in the world, there, there's good, listen, guys, there's going to be some problems. Just before, just before he ends this dissertation, and in chapter 17, he begins to pray then for his disciples and begins to pray for those who believe on him through their word. He's praying for us. But the last thing he says is he's encouraging him and preparing for his departure is this. In the world, there's going to be tribulation. Why, why do bad things happen to good people? Because you're in a world that's been affected by sin and Satan. But cheer up. Cheer up. Cheer up. For I have overcome the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Whosoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. Cheer up. Amen. Hallelujah. God is with you. You are a world overcomer. And just because you have problems doesn't mean that you're not on the right track. Maybe it means that you are. Turn with me to this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 says this in verse 12 to verse 17. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Sometimes there's challenges as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Hallelujah, rejoice. 
He says, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. So keep rejoicing. You know, Jesus talked about the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 7. And in Mark chapter, or excuse me, Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, he said, and he, when he talked in the, about the parable of the sower, he said, everything in the kingdom operates according to this parable. And so the sower went out to sow, and when he sowed, when he was on the way to the field, some of the seed fell on the, on the road. And before it could even get in the ground, the birds came and ate it. Right? Then he got in the field, and some of the seed that he sowed fell on stony soil. And when he explained it, he said this, that that was sowed by the way seed is like when the enemy comes, right? And he stole the word out of, out of their heart, right? Because your heart is the field, the word is the seed, Jesus is the sower. The seed hasn't changed and the sower hasn't changed, but your heart is what needs to change. And so the very first aspect that Satan will try to do is try to steal the word out of your heart. He'll try to stop it before it even gets started because he knows that seed will have a harvest. So he tries to stop it in seed form. But the second type of soil, he says, is like when persecutions or afflictions, this is Mark chapter 4, verse 17, arise, right, for the word's sake, that immediately they're offended. Have you ever been... Some, you know, offended somebody because you started believing the promises? Because you started believing the Bible? In fact, you know, I told you about the pastor in the church where I got saved. That was the Fringe Church in Penrose, Colorado in 1972. I was eight years old. Well, in 1978, when I was 14 years old, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And our old pastor, his name was Phil Smith, came to visit us. He was good friends with my parents in Lamar, Colorado. We had moved down there a few years, you know, not too long after I got saved. And so he came and his wife was with him. And went the, the pastor that led me into salvation, Phil Smith, out on our front lawn, I laid hands on him when I was, you know, 15 or 16 years old. And I prayed for him and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. And it was a wonderful experience for him. But his wife was so mad at us because we messed up their system. You know, the church that we were going, I, you know, because when we left Penrose, we went to Lamar, Colorado, and my grandparents helped start this church years and years before. And it was a, it was a traditional salvation preaching church. And we believed in salvation and water baptism, and that's about all we believed in. Right? We didn't believe much else. As far as healing, maybe God will, maybe God won't. You don't ever know about God. It's lotto God. Pull the lotto and hope you get three jacks and win. Because you, you never know what the will of God is. But you know, you, you can believe the Bible and the promise, and you know the will of God because of who God said that he is, because of what the Scripture promises you, and because of what Jesus did when he walked on the earth. Hallelujah. And what Jesus paid for in his death and resurrection, you can know the will of God in that area. But anyway, when we got spirit-filled, and it was a number of people in our family that started going to this Bible study where I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. One day at our church, they said, listen, if you don't believe in this speaking in tongues, you stand up and come forward. Or, 
Yeah. Everybody else who believes in speaking in tongues, you stay where you're at. You know what they did? They excommunicated the Holy Spirit. Now that is like dumb. Because the same Holy Spirit, right, that gives people a prayer language where they speak in tongues is the Holy Spirit where people get baptized, you know, that, that convicts people of their sins so they get saved. So that church before that, it always ran 70 to 100 people. There were people saved, different things happened. But after that, that church went right down. And it went to 10 to 20 people. And it stayed that way for years. In fact, it was like 10 years or something. And after the 10 years was over, by then I was pastoring. Barbara and I helped a group of people in Kit Carson start a church in 1988, Church of the Redeemed. And we were pastoring there. And so they got a new pastor. And they didn't know that this pastor spoke in tongues. He was one of these undercover baptism of the Holy Spirit people. And guess what happened in the church? The church immediately began to grow, and it, and it went right back to 70 to 100 people. People began to be saved. Things began to happen because you don't kick out the Holy Spirit. You may not understand him. You may not like how he works, but you do not excommunicate the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, you are going nowhere and accomplishing nothing in the kingdom of God. We need the Holy Spirit. I don't know how I said that, but anyway, somebody needed that. Praise the Lord. But listen, you know, when I led this pastor that led me in salvation, I led him in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was good, but his wife was mad for a few years. And then guess what? She got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she, she wrote my mother a forgiveness letter and said, please forgive me. I've been mad at you since he got filled with the Holy Spirit. But now God filled me with the Holy Spirit and everything's okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Amen. But rejoice when people say, Jesus said this, when people say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. But we need to keep doing what God wants us to do. And we shouldn't be so amazed sometimes when we face difficult situations. It's just like David, when he began to step into what God had for him, it's like the enemy came against him. And so what did David do? David went down to the fortress and David prayed. And when he prayed, God began to speak to him. He said, God, what do you want? The second thing is if we're going to be, you know, breaking through, we need to be seeking first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom. And one thing about David, if you compare David and King Saul who was before him, Saul was really concerned about Saul's kingdom. David was concerned about God's kingdom. In fact, the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. And we need to be more concerned about the kingdom of God than our own kingdom. And the scripture actually says this in Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And then he says in verse 34, And don't worry about tomorrow, right? Because the evil of today is enough, and the things of tomorrow will take care of themselves. So you just keep seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Just keep praying about what does God want you to do today? How can you feel, fulfill the will of God for your life? Will you fulfill the will of God one day at a time? And if you do the will of God today, for today, and you do the will of God every day this week, for that day, guess what? You will have fulfilled the will of God for this week. And if you fulfill the will of God for this week and you do that every, 
right week this month, you'll do it for this month. And if you do it for a year, you'll do the will of God for a year. We need to keep seeking God. And, and one, one thing that really in my life shows humility in the life of David is that, you know, he'd already been king for seven years. But when those enemies came, he went and he prayed to God and he said, God, what do you want me to do? What do you say about this situation? Right? And then when they came again, he just didn't say, hey, I went out here and did this once and it worked. He, he prayed again. He asked God. And part of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his ways of doing and being right is, is, is having a time of prayer. And, he, and, and Jesus goes on in Matthew 7 and talks about that. In verse 7, he says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, in verse 8, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And if you study in the Greek, it says something like this. Ask, and keep on asking. And seek, and keep on seeking. And knock and keep on knocking. For everyone who asks, receives. So what's he saying? And the word ask in the Greek actually is the Greek word atio, and it means make a demand based on a right. So it's like when I was a little kid and we lived in the trailer park in Penrose, I had this neighbor kid, and I had one of those nice yellow Tonka trucks, one of those nice metal, and it was such a good toy. I gave it to my kids, and they played with it, and then something happened to it. But I bought my grandson a Tonka truck just like I had. But you know, my neighbor kid came over to my yard and he took my Tonka truck from my house and he took it over to his house and he put it under his trailer house. And you know what I did? I went over to my neighbor kid's yard and I got my Tonka truck and I took it back. And you know, the devil will try to do that. You know what? He'll try to take your Tonka truck, but it's your Tonka truck, so you go get it back. Take back what the devil stole, amen? You know it's yours. You have a divine right and privilege to have that Tonka truck. It doesn't belong to your neighbor kid. It doesn't belong to the devil. It belongs to you. So you take back what the enemy stole from you. I went to the enemy's camp and I, somebody wrote a song about that. Took back what he stole from me. Yeah. I took back what he stole from me, oh, I took back what he stole from me, oh, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me, <laughs> feet, he's under my feet, he's under my feet, yes, he's under my feet, he's under my feet, oh, he's under my feet, the devil is under my feet, yeah. Go take back what belongs to you. Go take your covenant right and your promise that God. So he says, ask and keep on asking and, and receive and keep on receiving and seek and keep on seeking and find and keep on seeking and knock. And, and when the doors are, look for the open door. God, not every door is God. Some doors aren't God. You got to know what door is God and what door is not God. You got to know what door God's open. And you know, somebody said, if the door is closed, kick it down. Some of them you don't want to kick down. If God shuts the door, you need to say, thank you, God. And you need to look for the one that God opens. Hallelujah. So ask and receive and ask some more. And seek and find and seek some more. And knock and the door will be open and keep knocking because there's more to Never stop believing God. Keep growing in your relationship with God. Keep growing in what you're believing God for. 
See, I'm believing God today for more than I've ever believed him for in my life. Hallelujah. I'm not, and I've received a lot of things, but I'm continuing to believe. I'm not stopping in this relationship. So part of seeking first the kingdom is asking God, God, what do you want? And continuing that, what do you want me to do this time? Because just because you did it the other time and it worked that way doesn't mean you need to do it this way. So we need to keep listening. Keep listening. Praise the Lord. And, and one thing I ask for on a continual basis is I ask for wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 says this. He says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and does not upbraid us. In other words, God's not going to get mad at you for asking. And if you pray for, if you ask me, a lot of times people say, Pastor, what can we pray for you for? Most of the time I'm going to say, pray for me to have wisdom. I need wisdom. Do you know what? We need wisdom. We have the mind of Christ, but we still need wisdom. And so we need to keep asking for wisdom. Proverbs 4, verse 5, or something, is, might be verse 7, says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. And there are three, there are three main words there in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. What is knowledge? Knowledge is the facts. You need knowledge. You need the facts. But wisdom is the ability to use the facts, the knowledge that you have in a productive manner in your life. So a lot of people have knowledge, but a lot of people don't have wisdom. A lot of people get the facts, but it doesn't mean that they can use the facts in a productive way in their life. And so not only do you need knowledge, but you need wisdom. And, and wisdom, right? Again, knowledge is the facts. Wisdom is the ability to use the facts in a productive way and positive way in your life. And understanding, the Bible says this in Proverbs, it says, a man of understanding, a person of understanding, seeks for knowledge. So it's like a wheel, it doesn't stop. So if you're really a person of wisdom and knowledge, and a person of understanding seeks for knowledge. So the more that you know, the more that you know you don't know. The more that you know, the more you, you know there is to learn. In fact, 21 years ago when we moved here, we started this church. I went to see one pastor, and he had a little bitty church. I said, why are we moving here? He was so intimidated, I thought. It was a very kind of poor conversation. And then I went to see another pastor that had a huge church. And after I talked to the other pastor, and I, he, he gave me some wisdom. And he, he looked across his desk at Barbara and I. We were there in his office for 25 minutes, but a 30-minute appointment. He reached across the desk and said, welcome to Colorado Springs. And I'm there, and I'm in my dockers and my, my city shoes, you know. He says, there's lots of country people in Colorado Springs, and I'm sure you'll do well. He, he looked right through me. It's like he knew I, who I was, amen. And he just spoke into the situation. And, you know, it's like we've done well. God's been good to us. But we're not nearly done yet. We're just getting started. Hallelujah. And he's helping us more and more. We're very thankful for what he's done. But we're also thankful for what he's going to do. Praise God. But we need wisdom. We need to keep asking for wisdom. We need to keep seeking God. You know, the Bible actually says this. It says in Psalm, let's turn here to Psalm 32, verse 7 and verse 8. David, you know, when he heard the enemies were there, he went down to the fortress. And Psalm 32, verse 7 says, you are my hiding place and you will preserve me from trouble. There's trouble in the world, but God can preserve you. 
You will compass me. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. I'm going to be glad we have songs of deliverance. He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Amen? I mean, we have so many promises. He, he, just get in, get in His presence and listen to His Spirit and, and listen to His Word. He says this in verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Psalm 25 verse 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and then will he show his covenant. What's, what are secrets? It's special information for special people. God will give you secrets. God will show you things by his spirit. Don't be as the horse or the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto you. So he says, listen, I want to instruct you. I want to teach you. I want to show you where to go. Psalm 37 verse 23 says this, the steps of a good man, the steps of a good person are ordered by the, I believe God orders our steps and he delights in his way. In other words, God's delighting in you and you're delighting in him. He's taking pleasure in you. You're taking pleasure in him. It's twofold. It works both ways. So keep listening. Keep asking God. It shows true humility. Right? I'm going to share one more thing, and I'll, I'm, I'm not going to go clear through. I'm just going to share the third, third thing is you cannot fight God and win. <laughs> you know, David said, you know, he prayed, and he went out, and he says, the Lord has burst through my enemies like a bursting flood <laughs> you know you need to find out what God's doing you need to find out what God wants to do and work with him praise God work with him let him work with you follow his direction follow his instruction I was thinking about this this morning you know when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him but I, I, was, I was thinking about the ocean I grew up in the dry land, and I didn't swim very much as a child, a little bit, but I wasn't much of a swimmer. But when I was 25 or 26 years old, I took my youth group on a mission trip. Rachel went on that mission trip. Rachel's over here. Stand up, Rachel. <laughs> I think I scared the life, the life into her. <laughs> oh, glory to God. But Rachel went on this mission trip. But anyway, we went on this mission trip down into Mexico, and then we came back to the border, we stayed at Mission McAllen, Texas, and there was a person that ran a mission station, and he took us down to South Padre Island into the ocean. And I hadn't spent very much time around the ocean. I didn't know very much about it. But I thought, I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to see how deep I can get, right, and keep my head above water. So I was going, the waves would go way up, and i go, and then all of a sudden, I couldn't hit the ground. And the ocean was pulling me, right? I got in an undercurrent, and it was pulling me. And I, I was going, I was trying to swim, but I was going backwards. So I started raving my hands and hollering. Thankfully, two of our youth group were lifeguards. And they came and saved the pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, praise the Lord. They saved me. Now I know a little bit more about the ocean. But, it, but it's still big enough, you know. And, 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 you know, now I swim a lot. In fact, I could swim a couple of miles if I want to. And I know if you get in an undertow, you don't, 
you don't try to fight that. You just go crossways, and then you get where the undertow's not working. But you, you're not going to fight that thing and win. And this is like, you know, don't, you can't fight with God and win. So find out what God's doing. Find out what he wants to do. Amen. Get involved in it. Amen. Because I, I, I believe that there is a move of the Holy Spirit. There, there, it's coming, and it's here, and it's breaking forth like a flood. And it's going to be so big. See, I don't believe the church is going out in weakness. I believe the church is going out in power. Amen. See, when the church started in the book of Acts, the church started with apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And the church started with all the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. With tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and the gift of the working of miracles and the gift of faith and the gifts of healings and the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and discerning of the spirit. And you know what? I believe the church is going out in glory. In fact, God says in the last days, he's going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh. And it talks about the latter rain will be glorious greater than the former rain. The former rain brought the, the seed up, but the latter rain's bringing in the harvest. And I believe we're in time of harvest, and it takes the Holy Spirit and the, and the move of the Holy Spirit to have harvest. But, but I believe that there is a move of God. There is a flood of the Spirit of God and the things of God that is coming that is so big that it doesn't matter what the devil tries to do to stop it. It's going to be like nothing when the flood of the Spirit, when the things of the Spirit, it's like, who cares? what the devil tried to do because what God's done when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord is going to the Lord has broken forth on my enemies like a bursting of a flood hallelujah it's just like well what the devil tried to do ain't going to amount to nothing because what God has done is so much greater and what God is doing is so much greater than what the devil tried to do. Amen? Hallelujah. So I'm just going to keep believing God. So we'll share some more next week. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.